Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Second Captain's Podcast. Oh, my David here with my good pals, Kira Murphy and Ken Early. Hi, Hello, mates. Hello, uh, co-worker. <laughs> uh, professional boxing, gentlemen. Professional boxing. It's a sport that occupies a reasonably small space in the mind of the typical sports fan. It stumbles around the back of the brain somewhere from one end of the year to the next. This weekend, it explodes right into the middle of our consciousness and of the sporting world. It's going to take, well, it's going to make two men very, very wealthy. Two extremely rich men, even richer. More rich? Uh, richer, I'd go with them. I've gone with it now, yeah. They're uh, very rich men. They're about to get even richer. By a staggering amount. Yeah. A s- truly staggering amount. Because, I mean, it's looking at this. So they reckon that the total purse, or the, the revenue for this fight is going to be more than $300 million. So when you take into account, say, for instance, the gate, the actual gate at the MGM Grand would be $74 million. Seventy-four million just from the from the gate. Like the tickets are expensive, and there were more people at the. Um, There's nearly twice as many people at the Allianz Football Division One and Division Two finals last Sunday than there will be at this fight. Yeah, it's sixteen thousand. Sixteen thousand. Um, you could you, basically what I'm saying is you could have held Machia. Uh, Macchiao. <laughs> Macchiao. Macchiao, that's what I'm calling. Hey weather. Hey weather would be better. Hey weather is better. Hey weather is amazing. You could have held the pay weather uh, event at Glennon Brothers Pierce Park in Longford and the capacity crowd would have been the exact same as what's going to happen in Well at least you've got a future career sort of for these boys or at least a moniker for the tag team the wrestling tag team they can go in Payweather 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 Mercury um, <laughs> but they you know they're, so they're selling it they're obviously selling it abroad and then the main the, the biggest um, uh, sort of tranche of the earnings come from pay-per-view sales in the United States so if you want to if you want to buy this fight in HD, it'll cost a hundred dollars, mm. and they reckon a lot of people are going to buy it. That's a lot of that. Regardless of all the ethical issues around Floyd Mayweather, which we're going to talk about in today's show, that's a lot of money to spend on one fight. Yeah, but I mean, this is the you know this without is, an amazing this is the fight. This is the fight, you know. But I mean, think about what that how much money that is. So they reckon you know they're making rent three hundred million, and the purse is going to be split sixty forty to Mayweather. Um, 
the kind of money that three hundred million dollars is two hundred sixty nine million euros at today's um, appalling exchange rate. <laughs> today's today's disastrous euro dollar exchange rate. It depends, I suppose, on what you're trying to do. There's really no point leaving the eurozone. Two hundred sixty nine million uh, euros is nearly as much money as Barcelona and Real Madrid make from television in a season combined. Two hundred eight. They make two hundred eighty million euros. Combined, that's what they made last season from television. Barcelona and Real Madrid, think of all the games they play and all the money they make from television. And it's the two of them for a year. That's how much money we're talking about almost for Mayweather against for Pacquiao. Man, uh, who are both incredibly skilled practitioners of a minority sport in the US. Floyd Mayweather is not talked about. If you compared how much Floyd Mayweather is talked about from one end of the year to the next uh, in the American media to... Tim Tebow. Say Tim Tebow, uh, non-entity of a quarterback. Yeah, you could go like a the Philadelphia Eagles player. fourth string quarterback. Yeah, or even just go right to the top to, to your Tom, Tom Brady. Brady's, for example. It's uh, barely a fraction of it. And yet it's just such a incredible niche that both these guys have carved out for themselves uh, in, in the celebrity life of America as much as anything else that they can make this happen. And maybe there's a small nod to the old love of boxing that still is as I said, mentioned in the back of people's heads somewhere that mm. these great big fight nights might still be something to be worth paying $100 for. Yeah, and you know, the, you you see these things, uh, rich lists or whatever, the Sports Illustrated do a sporting rich list every year, and number one last year was Floyd Mayweather, and you look down through the entire top 50, and Tom Brady earns X amount uh, on the field, X amount in, uh, in endorsements, and the higher up you go, the more it's tilted you know, 25% on the field, 75% off field. Floyd Mayweather is in the ring uh, uh, earnings, yeah. earnings, 45 million, uh, endorsement deals, zero. zero. <laughs> and that that in itself is just so... The idea, say, say David Beckham is in some way, he's, his ability as a sportsman was lessened by the fact that, oh, well, you know, like all this money from endorsement deals, you know, that, that it kind of lessens... You know the 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 standing that he has in people's mind. Mayweather doesn't do any of that. He fights once a year and earns more money than all of these these poor guys on these poor guys. Tom Brady, David Beckham, out shilling <laughs> with their pants. They don't want to have to do these ads. David Pat- Beckham doesn't want to be in an ad for Armani no. underwear. No, no. And uh, Floyd Mayweather doesn't have to do any of that. Yeah. Um, like five million dollars a minute for this fight. If uh, a million dollars every twelve seconds for this fight. If he has to fight 12 rounds, I mean, if, you know, he, it would go up a lot. The rate would go up a lot. The second rate would go up a lot if he was to uh, knock Pacquiao out a little early. The size of the fight, the amount of publicity around it has brought one small problem with it for Floyd Mayweather. A lot more people have... The problem when there's a lot of publicity around something is that the bad publicity is going to come in as well. And a lot of people have taken way more notice of his horrendous history of battering women. I remember reading a piece in Deadspin last year by Daniel Roberts. It was the first time that the scale of the charges against Mayweather hit me. Uh, just to go through a couple of them, uh, like, some of you might be saying this is old news, but I think it, it, it is and it isn't, and a lot of people don't seem to be fully aware of, of what's at play here. He's been accused of seven separate assaults against five different women that led to citation or arrest. A few of the cases, right, 2001, Melissa Brim is the, daughter, the mother of uh, one of his daughters. Arguments over child support, and according to court documents, Mayweather swung open a car door that slammed into her head, then punched her three times in the face, leaving bruises. A few months after that, Brim and Mayweather were walking through a mall together with their daughter when Mayweather asked a friend to hold the daughter and allegedly punched Brim in the neck. 
uh, before leaving the scene. Josie Harris is the mother of three of his children. A uh, couple of issues, issues is understating it somewhat, but a couple of things that have happened here. She confronted Mayweather about another woman in one case and uh, he allegedly punched her, kicked her, dragged her by the hair, cutting her face. Now, she went to the police over that, but by the time it went to court, she backtracked and said, oh, no, it was... Uh, it's all my fault. There's, you know, th- there's no issue here. He didn't do anything wrong, etc. Later, though, 2010, Mayweather showed up at the same woman's house. So this is the m- mother of three of his kids. Confronted her about whether she was seeing another guy. Uh, they weren't even together at this stage anyway. But Harris, the, the girlfriend, uh, the mother of the kids, calls the police. Mayweather leaves because she feels he's being threatening. He gets out of there. A few hours later, 5 a.m., he comes back knocks on the door, gets one of the kids to let him in through the security system. Harris is then awakened by the sound of Mayweather screaming at her about text messages from this guy that he saw on her phone. She admits that they were dating each other. Mayweather flies flies into a rage. And according to the statement, also to the handwritten testimony of his children, which is available online if you want to read it, and to a doctor's report, Mayweather punched her in the top of the head and the back of the head, allegedly kicked her, pulled her hair, tried to break her arm, said the reports have it. Uh, and a lot more nasty stuff like that. This this, this goes on. The kids try to get away. He's got an accomplice with him. He's blocking the kids from getting away initially. Uh, pretty hor- horrible stuff. That was the one that led to him going to jail for two months after pleading guilty to misdemeanor domestic assault and harassment charges. And if you want one more for good measure, 2003, Mayweather spotted two friends of Josie Harris at a nightclub. And according to the testimony of those two friends, Mayweather hit both of them and then followed them out of the club when they fled. He was found guilty of two counts of battery and given suspended prison sentences and a 500 fine for a $500 fine or 50 hours of community service for that. So this is all, that piece was written last year based on events over a number of years. In the build-up to this fight, ESPN produced an investigation into this side of Mayweather and some prominent people in the American media are calling for a boycott of the fight, saying that we shouldn't, sports fans or not, we shouldn't be paying money into, essentially into the pocket of a man like this. One of the best pieces we've read was by Louisa Thomas on Grantland, who didn't actually call for a boycott. She wrote a very good, I thought very intelligent, nuanced piece on this, so we'll chat to her in just a minute. Kim, we had a good chat about Nigel Pearson in the football podcast and his issues with uh, a journalist after the game against Chelsea yesterday. He's since apologised. He, uh, yes, he has apologised. Um, he did it. At, he did it at his press conference today. Um, so essentially, the journalist was Ian Baker from the Wardle Whittle Agency, um, and he had had the temerity to ask Nigel Pearson. Uh, who was complaining about criticism that his players had had. Which criticisms did he think were unfair or something along those lines? Something quite innocuous. Pearson just sort of blew up. Um, But Pearson um, came in uh, to do his press conference today and he said, Ian, before we start, apologies for last night. I think it's right to do it in front of the cameras rather than pulling you to one side, so I apologise for that and I hope it doesn't ruin our relationship. I react, that's it. I think it's emotion as much as anything, which again, I'm not afraid of. I'm not afraid of showing my emotions. I get labelled with certain titles, which is people's prerogative to say what they want about me. I'm happy to fight my own corner, but I will also accept when I've stepped out of line, which is why Ian's due an apology. It's the right thing for me to do today. I wasn't happy with losing the game. There we are. I don't like losing. I felt for the players. They worked hard again. They tried to keep the run going. It's only right for me to portray what I want to portray. I'm not trying to win any popularity contests, and I don't think I'll be in the running for that. So uh, there you go. The journalist Ian Baker has uh, tweeted that he... Accepts the apology? Accepts the apology, and fair play to Nigel Pearson for being big enough to apologise. Would you say fair play to Nigel Pearson for being big enough to apologise? I think so. I mean, what more can he do, really? And it wasn't one of those, you know, if I've offended you, then I apologise apologies. Yeah. It's actually an apology. He's actually saying he... he, he... Yeah. And well, he thankfully, that, this has all come out after the football podcast in which we talked 
a lot about Nigel Pearson <laughs> being a complete I what, bully. I think, you know, I think what we're saying is, I've, is I've, still I've, fair enough, you yeah. know, because what we were talking about is is the guy evidently has got a bit of a short fuse. It's not as though that's been changed by the fact that he later realises he's made a mistake and apologises. He's still got the short fuse. And... Uh, and that's the kind of thing that, rather than anything, any embarrassment resulting from this incident, which I think he's now handled as best he, he's made the best possible job of it now. Um, that short fuse is the, is the problem that's going to linger. The manager of the Major League Baseball team, the Cincinnati Reds, has also had a massive go with journalists over there. I'm going to use that to, as an excuse, really, to talk to U.S. Murph today. Murph, really, it's going to be a celebration with Brian of the news of our impending trip to San Francisco. We're just going to ask Brian if he's still okay with us coming over. Yeah, about that. Uh, I'm out of town. <laughs> yeah. Got a busy that week. Uh, so that will be in uh, a little while. But the boxer and the batterer is the name of the... There's a title of the article on Grantland by Louisa Thomas. The, it's actually very well put together. Uh, subheadline. Floyd Mayweather Jr. has bobbed, weaved and danced through domestic violence accusations for much of his career. On the verge of the biggest fight in recent history, can we separate the athlete from the abuser? Well, Louisa joins us now. Louisa, thanks very much. First of all, great to have you on to talk about this. Thanks for having me on. We've outlined earlier on in the show the rap sheet that Mayweather has, uh, which has been around for ages, really, and has been reported on uh, quite a lot. But given the scale of this fight that he's in now, the the publicity around this one in particular, has his domestic, his history of of assault and battery and domestic abuse been more closely analysed this time than previously? Um, I think so. I mean, if you start looking into it, the articles do go very far back. None of this is a surprise in a way that has actually worked to his advantage, I think, um, because people are sort of reluctant to, you know, dig up old dirt that, you know, been reported. And so things that have been previously um, aired somehow get actually kind of suppressed. But certainly ESPN's Outside the Lines did a great segment on the topic, and the site that's been has been on top of this for years. And people are really starting to talk about it in a way that they haven't before. Was the outline, Outside the Lines documentary, uh, was that uncovering new allegations or, or more detail, and fleshing out what's happened in the past? No new allegations. Um, nothing since last fall when his um, ex-girlfriend, Chantel Jackson, filed suit against him. But it did um, actually take a particular focus, which was the role of the... Um, the licensing body in um, in Nevada and their decision to um, issue him licenses unanimously often, um, despite knowing about these allegations. The, He's never really able to account. Yeah, well, this, uh, the point you, you raised in your first answer there was interesting, that he... There's a fairly large, I would say, segment of people who are who say, "Well, this is this is old news. It's unfair to continue to throw it at him." The problem with that is one of the chief problems I can see. It's is that he's never come out and adequately explained away any of these charges and any of these uh, more than charges. Even I mean, this was uh, John Barr. We can play a clip from that outside the lines documentary you mentioned. This investigative report. Mm-hmm. So John Barr confronts him, asks him about these charges over the years, and this is the exchange. In your case, there's been actual convictions and no governing body has ever suspended you or sanctioned you. What message do you think that sends victims of domestic violence? I say I want everybody to tune in May 2nd. Mayweather versus Pacquiao, this is a fight that you can't miss. You have no desire to answer that question? I'm, I'm blessed to be where I'm at. You know, I have four beautiful children and I'm truly, truly blessed to be where I'm at today. And uh, with hard work and dedication, you can be anywhere in life. 
Well, look, unquestionably, you've worked hard to get to where you are, but there are a lot of people who wonder why you should be allowed to continue to box in the highest profile events when you've got the, the track record that you have, when in other sports, there have been serious repercussions for some of these athletes. Where was it, you know, when it's all said and done, only God, God can judge you, but I don't want people to miss this fight. This is an unbelievable matchup. Mayweather Pacquiao, May 2nd, be there. Yeah, I think we've all had interviews, Louisa, where the, the sports people don't exactly engage with the topic and the questions they're being asked. That was a classic of the genre from Mayweather there. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of chilling. I mean, the degree to which he is a, his own promoter um, and he, with a kind of chilling, callous ability to tune um, everything out. I mean, I think that if you watch the clip as they moved on, you know, he refused to take any more questions. But this isn't the first time someone has confronted him about this. Um, last fall, Rachel Nichols asked him about these allegations and these convictions and these arrests, And because obviously this isn't just the stuff of rumor. This is stuff that has gone through the courts, and he has been found guilty. He has pled, you know, he has plea bargained. Um, this is not, you know, hearsay and rumor. Um, and he was asked about these things, and you know, to Rachel Nichols, he basically said, you know, no pictures. <laughs> no one can say what I did. And no one can judge what I did. And then, um, you know, and then when he spoke to uh, Katie Cork in an interview, he sort of very sort of sweetly suggested that, you know, again, no one can judge. And, um, you know, he wasn't guilty of doing the things that he was saying. But, you know, due to his, you know, background and being a boxer and being... African American and being rich, then he was sort of set up to be guilty. And I mean, it's just the degree to which he's refused to face any of these, but not, nor has he uh, denied really anything in the specifics, at least in these public interviews he's been given recently. I mean, did you not think that Katie Couric maybe was a little uh, indulgent of him uh, to extent? I mean, this is yeah, a, she was I mean, world famous for her destruction of Sarah Palin, and she didn't let her away yeah. with anything, but Floyd is in a different category. Yeah, well, I mean, it's he's so protected in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, he is surrounded by bodyguards and handlers and and everything that money can buy. And um, you know, I think that Katie Couric is a good journalist, and I think this is an anomaly for her. Um, but yeah, no, there was something disturbing about that interview. The central question you ask is, can we separate the athlete from the abuser? So can we go and w- pay money and watch this fight? I have to say, I, I am. I paid it's, it's a lot cheaper over here, 25 euro. But I've paid my 25 euro because I want to watch this sporting event as a huge sports fan. And I have to pay that money uh, to do it. So I guess in a way I have separated the athlete from, from the abuser. Although I don't feel it in any way, uh, in my case, lessens my disgust at these kind of things that Floyd Mayweather has done over the year, it's, it's something that I feel somewhat conflicted about, that I am willing to actually watch the event and pay money for it, and that money does go into this guy's pocket, uh, despite uh, the obvious hideous nature of what he's done over the years. I mean, it's true. I mean, I think we've, we all do that on a, on a daily basis, you know, to some degree. Um, you know, we make choices with our money that support people that we may find reprehensible as individuals. Um, or we may not agree with their beliefs, or we may not agree with their actions. And um, I, I'm not condemning anyone for doing that, you know, but I also think it's worth talking about what kind of compromises we're making and what kind of um, 
what our support looks like. Yeah, uh, you say you're not judging anybody, but do you think, will, will you be watching the fight? Will you pay money and watch it? That's a good question. <laughs> and in all honesty, I haven't figured out my own answer yet. I go back and forth. I, I'm i not going to get it myself, I, but this is a pretty pathetic compromise, <laughs> you know, to leech onto someone else's, um, you know, purchase of the pay-per-view. I, I am, I actually am going to watch it because I'm going to... Um, need to talk about it afterwards. Yeah, well, that's partly it, you know, as a, as a sports fan <laughs> and as a sports broadcaster, obviously you, you do need to watch these things, although no, no, nobody's going to pay the money on my behalf, so I think that's where I'm yeah. getting caught. It's It does seem, I, I don't know how heavy the calls are, I think Keith Olbermann, one of the real old school ESPN guys, he called for people to boycott it. Has that got any yeah. sort of traction over there? Not just him, but sure, the idea that know, people shouldn't be watching it. There there are definitely calls from prominent people um, not just Keith Olbermann, but um, a couple of other commentators on ESPN have been pretty vocal about, you know, not putting money, more money in this guy's pocket. And I completely understand where they're coming from. Um, and I agree, you know. The, um, yeah. I mean, the argument that he shouldn't get a, a license or that, that he hasn't been sufficiently punished by his sport is yeah. probably fair. I mean, it's, it's probably cor- it is correct. He's not. There's, there's nobody going around banning him from boxing. But the counterpoint to that, I guess, is that he has been, he has served time. He has plea bargained elsewhere and got got out of serving time. Uh, he is a free man who's entitled to ply his trade. And if you're asking, say, the, the uh, Nevada Athletic Commission to revoke his license or to not award a license for him to fight, you're kind of asking a sports authority to be a higher moral arbiter there than, than, than the courts of America are. I think that's a good point. And certainly we have examples of um, athletic governing bodies which have either abused that power or just found themselves ill-equipped um, to adjudicate something that even the courts have trouble with with all their resources. Um, I do think that one of the problems there is that the Nevada Athletic Commission has um, actually suspended people in the past for things mm-hmm. like marijuana use. So it's not just that they're being consistent with this stance, that this is not their role. Louisa, in this uh, piece, I mean, you talk a, a lot about Mayweather's style in the ring, and it's very uh, controlled, it's very cool. There's no almost, there's no gratuitous violence from Mayweather. Um, he's he's a, strangely, a strangely sort of cerebral boxer, which is obviously... You know, it seems somewhat paradoxical when you can when you read, for instance, the, the testimony of his son um, talking about yeah. this violent incident between um, Floyd Mayweather and, and um, the mother of that particular son. I mean, I I wonder if Mayweather's. Uh, I mean, you also you also talk about how he changed his own image. He went from being you know pretty boy Floyd to Money Mayweather in a kind of. Um, you know, a heel turn, I suppose, maybe in that sense. Is the is this violence in his personal life maybe part of his appeal to some people? Oh, I mean, that's pretty dark. <laughs> that's I really dark hope it's not, soul. dude. Yeah. I really hope it's not. Um, I wonder, I mean, though, because, I, you know, he, 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 he I mean, as you, as you write about in the piece, you know, <clears throat> he had a, an, an ability to win fights to without really exciting anybody. It, was, it, it, it almost seemed... Uh, you know, these sort of bloodless victories in a way, almost as though there wasn't the kind of, you know, 
the kind of animal violence that maybe five fans are looking for a little bit. And maybe this is actually this knowing this about Mayweather actually makes him a more intriguing figure to some people. Well, I can't speak for those people myself. Um, it could be. I, I can't say. I, I will say that the um, the allegations date back to um, several years before that um, transformation into Money May. Um, so to that extent, I, I think that there's a clear separation. But I do think that that paradox that you point out, that's what that's one of the things that drew me into this topic, you know, because watching him is such a different experience than, as you say, reading some of those accounts and, and police reports. And there is something kind of coherent about his out-of-the-ring personality, which is sort of involves this kind of, in some ways, above-the-law figure. Um, so in that, sense, in that sense, it is all part of a piece. But it, of course, I want to, you know, I want to misstress that there's a big difference between owning a lot of cars and, and beating women and big difference between gambling too much and beating women. And um, one of the things that I was struck by was that people sometimes tend to loop, lump these things together. So to that degree, um, maybe you're right. But, um, you know, it's, it's it's just disturbing to read some of these accounts. Yeah, and I agree with you, Louisa, that that does happen. I, I certainly felt, and it took me, to be honest, until that Deadspin article last year, uh, last summer that mm-hmm. I, I mentioned earlier in the show, and you said they've been on top of it. Uh, it was the first one that I would read that really had listed out in great detail all of these various cases around Mayweather. It was, it was the first time that, up until then, you, there is, there's this idea that on Mayweather, you know, he's, he's sort of bad news, he obscenely flaunts his wealth, uh, he's he's quite yeah. mean to his opponents, and I'm kind of, I, all that is a lot of that is what boxers and really really famous people do. Right. But but there's a, there's a definite demarcation there, which I don't know. I think in most certainly in the boxing world, it obviously isn't harming him. Maybe it all being lumped together is doing him no harm at all because the guy's going to get about 150 million dollars for this fight. Well, there's just so much money involved and at stake, and you know I try to make the point that. It's not just that he's the one getting, you know, more than $100 million. There's a lot of money at stake for a lot of people. There's a lot of money at stake for Las Vegas, for Nevada, for, you know, promoters and networks. And, you know, and I'm, I'm implicated in this. You know, I work for a sports network. So, you know, one of the things that really struck me and I didn't know before I started looking into this story was that after he was sentenced, to jail time, the judge actually let him delay his prison term um, in order to fight Cotto. So, um, and she was swayed by this argument that it was a great economic um, boon for Las Vegas and that the city started to hurt, you know, if, if Mayweather didn't get to do that fight. Yeah, it's a staggering detail. Louisa, we'll leave it there. We'll let you go and make your decision about, uh, it sounds like you're watching it one way or the other, but we do appreciate you talking to us on the show today. Thanks a million. Thank you so much. The flame hair, flame hair, flame hair, truth, Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Every so often, I'm on the bus and I simply turn around and bite somebody. John Hayes, I'm talking about, aren't you? Yeah. John Hayes. No, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. 
He loved Brendan Rogers. That's where it goes from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now for you give it up. Eloisa referenced the network, the, working for a network there. Grantland is owned by ESPN, which is how she said that an article she would write on that website is also in some way part of the overall narrative and this, whatever way it's taken by people who are reading it. Uh, Ken, you're going to be watching the fight as well as me. So do you mm-hmm. feel you're separating the athlete from the abuser or at least the athletic endeavors of this person from the person himself? I can't pay Manny without paying Floyd. <laughs> so... You've no problems. Going to have to. No problems in your own head. Well, not really. Um, no, I mean I'll, I'll be watching this fight. I really want to see the fight. I would really like to see Manny Pacquiao win the fight. Um, you don't feel you need to. I think it, you ask there yourself a, questions. Surely, you know, I'm watching a couple of boxers. Yeah, one of whom regularly beats up women. Yeah, I mean, have you? Do you, have you only ever watched sporting events in which everyone's got a clean criminal record? No, of course not. I'm watching this fight as well. I'm just wondering your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I accept that some people are. I mean, Floyd Mayweather. I don't want Floyd Mayweather to win the fight. I don't. I don't like him. But and in boxing, it's a weird thing. You know what you're saying is. Uh, I want, I'm paying money to see Floyd Mayweather hopefully get the head thumbed off. Well, that's the oldest yeah. uh, Muhammad Ali trick in the book, and I'm not remotely comparing the two, yeah. <laughs> in, in, but only in the, in the sense that uh, a lot of the top boxers are aware that whatever, that people if people want to see you beaten up, then they will pay to see a fight. Uh, not, not, that's clearly not a justification yeah. for anything. No, there, I mean, it's a, a fact of promotion and marketing. Yeah, and, and it's kind of, it is the case that like, if you were to if you were to adopt um, um, uh, a kind of strictly, uh, a very strictly ethical uh, approach to spending every euro that you spend, hmm. you would spend a lot of time working out what you could and couldn't spend money on. The supermarket shelf would start to look a lot bare. A lot it. of forbidden fruit up there. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's it. You know, I mean, where do you stop? I mean, as you said to Louisa, why should you... Why should you ask the Nevada Athletic Commission to be to be uh, more uh, 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 to do the job of the laws of the land? Yeah. I mean, you and you take that to the to the like the Premier League. Everything that happens in the Premier League is blown up so far beyond what you're actually talking. Has the person actually done something illegal by the law of the land? It seems to be nearly a bo- like that's an afterthought. The you know the moral guardians of the game step in and say, right, this is what we should feel about a certain thing, and you're never allowed to forget it about that person. Incredible that the judge in that case bought Mayweather's line about needing to save Las Vegas uh, and yeah. get a lot of people really rich. Oh, it's okay then, Floyd, you don't have to go to jail just yet. Mm. You can fight in this fight and then go to jail for it. Yeah, it's, a, it, it, well, it's just an extraordinary decision to which, at a stroke, <laughs> you know, demeans whatever seriousness you would think that the courts would would uh, would view the <laughs> the accusations in front of them. The Irish Times Second Cup's football podcast is already out. That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six oh, days. I'd say it to you, face. I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them. What you doing down here? You're showing me, man. 
Well, we talked a bit about Nigel Pearson and uh, Richard Sally. Richard Sally. Um, Richie Sadler. Richie Sadler came into the studio and we talked a little bit about uh, Pearson and. and uh, a lot about Pearson. Yeah. Um, we talked a bit. Pre apology, Nigel Pearson. And we talked about Satan as well. Oh, yeah. Not to, not to Richie, though. No. Uh, In case Richie's listening to this going, well, did, I, did I black out during two minutes of that? What did I say about Satan this time? <laughs> Jonathan Wilson was on uh, talking to us about Satan uh, and how um, he really is a lot more interesting than some of the characters who were opposed to him. And, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that was our starting point for that one. Time now for what should be a celebratory edition of U.S. Murph. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. We're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. Come on over. I'll get you guys garlic fries and Hanger steamed beer. Duffman can never die. Only the actors who play him. Oh, yeah. Brian, 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 this is ridiculous. It's finally happening. <laughs> How classic is this? You guys, you know what? You guys are something else. Let me tell you that right now. You guys are something else. You, you're the kind of guys who, you know, when somebody says, hey, man, uh, we'll get together sometime or uh, come on over to my house sometime. And, you know, you never mean it. And then the guy takes you up on the offer. <laughs> now you're in a full... Usually you, you, you hate those guys, though, Brian. Yeah, you hate those guys. You do that. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't think they were really coming. No, I got it. No, no, are you kidding me? This is great. I'm uh, very, very excited. In fact... Ironically enough, I know we're doing a, um, and not to get into the details of our, the time and place of our conversation, but I just drove over the Golden Gate Bridge, boys. I've heard of that place, yeah. Today's phone, uh, today's hookup is on the mobile, and uh, I'm staring off at Alcatraz and all that. All the sites that you boys are going to soak in like uh, wide-eyed, intelligent, second captain's tourists you are. I can't wait, and I've already gotten uh, a couple people excited on this end. You're... Your new friend Patrick Connor, who visited the second captain's set, yep. is excited, and uh, I think somehow, somewhere, I've done a little research. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, make any promises I can't keep. But I think somehow, some way, you boys are going to find your way at a Giants-Dodgers baseball <gasps> game in San Francisco. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we oh, like to we like to send it that, Brian. But I mean, that's just one afternoon. Uh, we're, we're, so what's the, what's the full itinerary? I want to know. Basically, you guys are picking, you're you're picking us up at the airport, I presume, Brian. Yeah, that, you know, that, that old chestnut. I got this, I just got this great image of me going through my daily life. You know, going to the grocery store. Uh, you know, maybe even uh, taking an, an afternoon nap. Uh, maybe even you know going to the men's room to the to the head and turning around and there's you guys standing next to me. Like in a pack, like the Beatles in uh, a Hard Day's Night or something, you know, just kind of right next to me everywhere you go, you know. Just uh, so, yeah, Ken walking around the supermarket like two feet behind you, just pushing a trolley. Like, 
I, li- I like that. I like I that image. I have you guys in a pack standing two feet behind me everywhere I go for the next week. Yeah, right. So I'm going to have to deal with it. Well, one afternoon down, and we'll take care of the rest, boys, when you get here. I can't believe it. God bless Aer Lingus, huh, for, yeah. uh, for throwing you guys a bone. Get that. I, listen, one thing I know working in radio, you got to get those corporate sponsors back to scratch. They're a hell of an airline, uh, Brian. Ah, oh, then none better, boys. None better. So, uh, <laughs> oh man, so I'm very excited. So, uh, uh, how's the reaction been amongst your uh, amongst our, our, our listeners, boys? Ah, uh, they're pretending they're excited, but like like anyone else, they're just jealous that we're going over to San Francisco and they're not. I mean, this is how it works, you know. Your yeah. friends go on holidays. Oh, have a great time. You're actually oh, thinking, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, two weeks in the Greek islands. Yeah, oh, that's good. That'll be yeah. lovely. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Hope send us, hope send us a postcard. Yeah. So who cares what the listeners think, Brian? We're going over. That's amazing. Thing. Exactly. It's the old, it's the old ever fake. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah, that's right. It's not our concern. Is not there. Is uh, th- our concern is not their good time. Our concern is our good time, boys. So uh, we will, we will do it. So the city is primed and waiting to go. You guys, it's amazing. You got, you know, we're going through this incredible boom in San Francisco. Huge economic boom time right now. As imagine maybe is around the world, but. Uh, rent and and home prices and especially hotel prices are through the roof. Un- unbelievable! And uh, I know what kind of ballers you guys are to be able to make it over here and and lock down accommodations too. So I think the truth of the matter is I'm going to leave my sad suburban home and maybe roll out my sleeping bag for a week <laughs> at your at your place. I may flip the script on you guys and become your house guest. Uh, yeah, slumber party, Brian. <laughs> you have a bachelor pad in San Francisco. I'm jealous, so I'm coming in, maybe bringing a few friends, and uh, who knows? We'll make some, we'll make some memories. Now, Brian Tellis, I know you're on the way to work. We're going to have loads more to talk about when we get over there, but I do want to briefly ask you. I, I, I just happened to be, as I do, uh, I was watching the Cincinnati Reds press conference, uh, the, the daily the press conference. Yeah, I'm always watching yeah, the post-match, yeah. and it just so happened the one I was watching was the one in which Brian Price, their manager, went absolutely crazy. We'll have a quick listen. I've been as candid as I can be about this team and our players, and we got to deal with this. Every team that we play has to know every guy that's here and what they can and can't do. Me. It's a f-ing disgrace. I'm sick of this. It's hard enough to win here to have every opponent know exactly what the we bring to the table every day. Yeah, this went on for five and a half minutes. Murphy, uh, what's the the total here? Uh, according to the Cincinnati Enquirer, the final tally was 77 uses of the F-word, or a var- uh, variant, and 11 uses of a vulgar term for feces, two bovine, one equine. What's the F-ing problem? I don't know what the F you guys are talking about. Why can't a guy F and express himself the way he F and wants, right? Come on. Uh, you, that was you. a classic. <laughs> well, listen, baseball is a great, uh, you know, and I, we've talked about this a million times. You guys, that's the sport you guys know least, of course. But the tradition of of profanity and manager meltdowns in baseball is is a rich one. And he has just it really entered kind of just the legacy and the lore. And you guys interested in audio, and I know you may or may not through the years have found Tommy Lasorda of the Los Angeles Dodgers had a legendary rant sort of like that when he had a game against uh, the San Diego Padres and a guy named Kurt Bavacqua, legendary, hit three home runs. 
and a reporter, Tommy Lasorda was a red, he was a red ass to begin with. He, he didn't, he was always kind of prickly. And uh, a reporter asked him, hey, what did you think of Kurt Bavakwa's performance? And he went, what the, what the blank did I, what the F did I think of his effing performance? He hit three effing home runs. <laughs> what, what do you think of his, uh, is he, uh, guys, that's audio you might want to hear. There's also one famous one from a uh, Chicago Cubs manager named Lee Elia, who one day was, at, er, was in the 1970s, and his team was off to a slow start. And Chicago, of course, is famous for all its day games at Wrigley Field because they didn't have lights at Wrigley Field until 1988. And some reporter asked him about the losing streak and the fans booing him, and he went on an amazing rant uh, similar to Brian Price there in Cincinnati uh, that also involved uh, going after the fans who come to their day games because they have no effing jobs because they're effing losers. <laughs> so, the, the, so you guys want to look at Lee Ilya of the Cubs and Tommy Lasorda and Kurt Bavakwa and, uh, and Brian Price takes his place. In fact, in some ways, Brian Price was more mild than those guys because he didn't really raise his voice. But the funny thing, the little asterisk on that, Brian Price, is two things. One, it, it was so uncharacteristic because he's actually known as one of the nicest, most mild-mannered guys in all of baseball. I mean, if anybody ever mentioned Brian Price, you'd be like, oh, yeah, what a great guy. So, so uncharacteristic. And two, he's from my very hometown, Mill Valley, California, and he went to my high school, Taylor Pius High School in Mill Valley, which is incredibly unusual. We're not a big sports high school or a big sports town. So he's kind of the pride and joy of Mill Valley and, and my high school. <laughs> And now we walk even taller, knowing that he's famous internationally. So uh, <laughs> he, he, I think the explanation was he just snapped. He just, like in baseball, you know, it's this daily grind, and you got reporters poking at you every day. And he, even the most mild-mannered, well-liked guys can just snap. He just snapped. He was tired of these guys asking questions. And his belief was that he didn't have to tell them what's going on with his team because it helps. It's a competitive disadvantage. He's entirely wrong, of course. I mean, the whole deal is you, you sort of have to play along with the reporters and tell them about injuries and availability of your players. He just snapped. So glad, glad that my, my fellow Mill Valley and Tam High guy is famous in Ireland. Happy to hear it. Brian, you've got to get on to work there. Hope the drive is going well for you. And listen, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. I can't wait, guys. And next time, uh, I won't talk to you from my uh, from my car. I'll be talking to you from, well, soon enough, we'll be talking together in the fair city of San Francisco. So uh, talk soon, boys. I say I'm a million percent. That is better than 100%. I'm confined to in Central Stadium in Paris. I'm Lex Luger, we got a date with Destiny right now. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm even more excited about it now, Murph, if that's possible, mm. about heading over. I know, I know. We should just talk to him every day and just build the excitement up that way. I think that's, that's, that's the only way to do that. If you're over there and you want to see a show, come along. Uh, if you want to come along to see a show, just check out secondcaptains.com. Plenty of details there. All our podcasts in the week of the 18th and 22nd will be coming from San Francisco. Looking forward to that. We haven't covered that audio. Uh, Simon's got it here from Tommy Lasorda. Of the Dodgers, uh, the manager there in 1982, I believe it yep, is. Yep. Early now, this comes with an advance warning, okay? What you're about to hear is explicit. It's profane. <laughs> it, it's not for the ears of everyone. So if you don't want to hear it, but you do want to continue listening to the show, I'm going to give you a moment to skip on about 40 seconds. Make mm-hmm. it a minute to be on the safe side. Skip ahead a minute. Okay, for the rest of you, here's Tommy. I have never, ever, since I've managed, ever told a pitcher to throw at anybody 
nor will I ever. And if I ever did, I certainly wouldn't make him throw at a fucking 130 hitter like Lafay or fucking Bavacqua who could hit water if he fell out of a fucking boat. And I guarantee fucking to you this, when I pitched and I was going to pitch against a fucking team that had guys on it like Bavacqua, I sent a fucking limousine to get the cocksucker to make sure he was in the motherfucking lineup because I kicked that cocksucker's ass any fucking day in a week. <laughs> He's a fucking motherfucking big mouth, I'll tell you that. <clears throat> I mean, that's terrible. That's disgraceful. The four fatal words, Murph. And if I did... Yeah, just right there. Because the fir- <laughs> what I love about that clip is the first 10 seconds are just really, you know, I'm disappointed in the player that he would speak about me in that fashion. You know, real boring man- head manager, head coach kind yeah. of language. And then the, f- the switch goes and his head is, actually, wait a minute, I am actually very annoyed about this guy. And, uh, and goes for it. I just love the fact that the guy's name is Bavacqua. <laughs> There's something about the way he could say that name, uh, which just uh, really hits hits home. I said at the start of the show that the Payweather fight was at the centre of the sporting weekend. <laughs> it would have uh, had a little bit of rivalry in Ireland from the Champions Cup final, Murph, if the cards yeah. had fallen differently. Yeah, that's but, on this weekend apparently. Yeah, it's on at five o'clock in Twickenham on Saturday, uh, live on BT and Sky. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's two down against Claremont, and I think a final needs a couple of things, you know, to really. I mean, obviously, an Irish team would be great. But failing an Irish team, you would like new teams, you would like a great atmosphere, you would like uh, a full stadium. And as it turns out, they're, well, they're hoping for 50,000 in Twickenham, um, which would be an achievement. But the, it kind of misses the point because we've already been told that there's something like five or 6,000 people coming from France for this. Yeah. And that's what you need. You, to, for it to be a truly great sporting occasion, you don't need 60,000 people regardless of who they are or who they support what you actually need is 80,000 people who really really care about the result what and I mean this is this is nothing to do with um, with uh, belly aching by the fact that there's no Irish team Leinster Munster in Crow Park had 82,000 people and everyone cared a lot mm. about the result of that game and that's what made that a great atmosphere it's not, it wasn't just 82,000 people and 20,000 of them were school kids handed free tickets I mean what you actually need for a sporting event is for people to really deeply care about it, and this is this is what happens. I mean, this is the way the uh, the, the the competition has been arranged. That you name the uh, name the venue in September or whatever, and the build up is all through the tournament. And you know, it's probably not bad business, but at the same time, this is held in the Velodrome in Marseille. You're talking about an unbelievable event, like a hugely, hugely important, brilliant event. And there's no way around it. I mean, we're going to be watching it on Saturday and it's not going to fire your imagination at all. Funny, the Heineken Cup finals that I've been to, they have featured close to what you're talking about. The re- the really good ones anyway, Leinster-Northampton is one that stands out by a mile in Cardiff. Huge Leinster support, huge Northampton support. There is actually still an under... Uh, a little minority of supporters from other clubs. Mm. But as long as that's just a small minority, exactly. it works very well. There's a... I think a lot of people listening to the podcast would have been to Heineken Cup finals and it's very hard to go to one no matter who's playing uh, whether it's an Irish and English team a French team and not find a bunch of really drunk Claremont fans yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it the Claremont fans like a pre-match pint and when their team's not involved 
even they more so. really focus on yeah. those pre-match points in Cardiff <laughs> and don't really have the a idea clue of, what's going on the idea of sobering up for the game yeah. has even less truck <laughs> when Claremont are involved not sure, in the game, I'm so. not sure they ever make the game some of the guys that I yeah. saw uh, but I mean I you know and you would hope that like Toulon should be a great story but no one seems that enamoured of Toulon for whatever reason mm. um, be it money be it whatever uh, Claremont you know if Claremont go and win this, this that'd be great but you'd just love to have 25,000 Claremont fans there and that's not going to be even close to the, the amount of Claremont fans that are there and that's just a sad fact of life Will we leave it in that downbeat no Ken? You don't have anything to add to lift our spirits going into the weekend? Why are you saying that as though Well that was just a down no, no I'm not teeing up for anything this is, Oh okay I'm just, I just like to end these shows on a happier note but if that's, if that's the way it's got to go Ken um, can't all be full of the joys of life Well I mean it's a bank holiday weekend Oh huh. yeah, I mean listen this is just the sort of uh, people this is just what people need just to take them down a notch before they go book eight for the weekend on. So we've done the states and service here today. Thanks, Ken. Enjoy your bank holiday. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Owen. Thanks very much for listening. Have a listen to the football podcast if you get a chance. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 